Father, we thank you for today. Do I pray that we'll hear your voice again. I pray that whatever comes out of Julie's mouth, Father, will be your word and your encouragement for us, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Guess what? Julie's preaching. <laughs> so just repeat that. We are going to be speaking about covenants. Um, it's a very different way of that I've done it this time because I started off my message at the end and then I asked the Lord, well, okay, what do I add to that? And it came to covenants. So, question, what are the fundamental basics of our gospel? When you think of the gospel, what, is our, what do you think of? Okay. Anything else? Yeah, that's right. But the basics of the gospel is the love of our, our God and Father. And it's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. From the very days of Adam and Eve, the Father created us to have a relationship with him. He made Adam like a priestly king. He gave him all the favor. He would have given him everything for the whole of eternity. He had a relationship with him. He wanted Adam to walk alongside him and partnership with him. He even allowed Adam to name the animals. Adam walked in love. He walked in favor with the Lord God. And he could have had anything he ever wanted forever. Except eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, because that would bring the curse of death to humanity. And of course, it's just like that big red button, isn't it? Don't touch the red button. (laughs) And that's what they did. That's right. Well done, Caden, in the back there, who said, in case you didn't hear that, he said, yeah, you can't, but you, you know, you want to, but you can't. And it's just like that. It's just like that red button. But of course, it was exactly what happened. That was their temptation, only it was an apple. It was probably red. We don't know, but it was probably red. And of course, it changed the whole dynamics of the world. And since then, the Father has made a number of covenants. First, with Noah. Because by the time Noah came along, we read in Genesis, evil was everywhere. So God decided to send a flood. He then started rebuilding humanity through Noah and his family. And God makes a covenant with Noah. Now, it's worth reading if you ever fancy reading it, because it really is quite good. It's in Genesis 9. This is the New Living Translation. Be fruitful and multiply. This is only part of it, by the way. Fill the earth, all the animals of the earth, all the birds of the sky, all the small animals will scurry along the ground and all the fish in the sea will look on you with fear and terror. I have placed them in your power. I have given them to you for food, just as I have given you grain and vegetables. Now skipping forward a few verses. I hereby hereby confirm my covenant with you and your descendants and with all the animals that were on the boat with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, and every living creature on earth. Yes, I am confirming my covenant with you. Never again will, there, will the flood waters kill all living creatures. Never again will the flood destroy the earth. Then God said, I'm giving you a sign 
of my covenant with you and with all living creatures and for all generations to come. So that means now too. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is a sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds and I will remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures. Once again, God tried to become in a partnership with man and he gave the the rainbow in the clouds as a reminder. No one can fake the rainbow in the clouds. That is God's reminder to him and to us of his covenant that he loves us. He still loves us and he made a promise to Noah and he saved us again through Noah and his family. But as we read on and still in Genesis, we see evil again becomes quite prevalent. It's widespread as people go their own way yet again. But still God has patience. He's trying to work towards restoring humanity to himself again. And he makes another another covenant, but this time with Abraham. This is in Genesis 17. Now this is only part of it. God said to him, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will make my covenant between me and you, and you will multiply exceedingly. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall you be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Now notice here it says, God has already done it. I have made you. He's already done it. Even though it's not yet happened, when God says something, it is done. It is finished. In his eyes, it is done. Yeah? He even renamed Abraham to Abraham as a reminder of that promise. Abraham actually meant exalted father, but Abraham meant father of a multitude. So he renamed him as a reminder of that covenant and of his promise that in his eyes is already done. He said, I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and all your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land where you now reside as a foreigner, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. God tells him to even count the stars. And he said, and even though Abraham was 99 years old and had no children, God says, your descendants will be as many as those stars. Now this time there was a different covenant, a sign of the covenant. This time it required man to get involved, not just God putting it in the sky as a rainbow. But this time he said, I will give you another covenant. But this time... Every child, every male child who is eight days old will be circumcised. So this, this time, man had to get involved with that reminder. So again, the world was once again offered that redemption. Now I know and I do realise I am literally gliding the surface here because there is so much in this. We may have a part two. I cannot fit it all in today, but there is so much here that I want to go into deeper. But if I do, we won't get out of here until this evening. Um, It is just too deep. So I'm going to stick to my point. Um, So the next covenant jumps to Moses. 
And by the time of Moses, the Israelites had been, been enslaved for a few hundred years under the Pharaoh. By the time of Moses, the Israelites, sorry, but Pharaoh, sorry, let me start that again. By the time of Moses, <laughs> the Israelites had been enslaved for a couple of hundred years. But Pharaoh had actually become afraid of them because they were so many. So Abraham's covenant of multiplying was already in place. So the Israelites are now calling on, on, the God, on their God to rescue them. And God chooses Moses as his messenger of his divine power and the one who will lead them out of slavery and back into the promised land. Now, Exodus is an amazing story. There's, there's stories of plagues, of miracles, including provision, the pillar of fire, the parting of the Red Sea. There's so much in there. But again, we're going to jump forward because I know if I get into those, which I would love to, we're not going to pass on. And I actually want to get stick to the covenant. So God tells Moses that he has carried the Israelites on eagles' wings. He's brought them to himself and he calls them his treasured possession, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And then God gives Moses ten commandments. Now I thought I'd read these to you because it's not very often we actually read what they say. Number one, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery, and you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make an idol in the form of anything in heaven or on earth or in the waters below. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Number four, remember the Sabbath. Six days you shall labor, but on the seventh it is for the Lord your God. Five, honor your father and mother. Six, you shall not murder. Seven, you shall not commit adultery. Eight, you shall not steal. And nine, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, wife, servant, animal, or anything belonging to them. How many of us have looked at a neighbor's house and said, oh, that's really nice, I like their car, I wouldn't mind one of those. God tells Moses to keep the tablets of stone on which those, those, those commandments were written in an ark. And he gives precise instructions on how it should be made. Now, it's an interesting point, but in those days, kings and priests would put their most prized possession in an ark and put them in a temple. So God, by saying, put these in an ark, and that ark was covered in gold, God was saying, these are precious to me. These mean a lot to me and you. So put them in an ark. That's what he's saying. They are his prized possession. So in Exodus 34.10, God renews his covenant and he says to Moses, Behold, I make a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as not been such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among you shall see the work of the Lord. For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I am driving out before you the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Now remember those names because I will actually come back and we will talk about what they mean because each of those, I discovered, have a meaning. They're very significant, what they mean. So we will we'll probably come back to that later or another day. 
Take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going. So in other words, when you go, don't take on all of their sin. Don't do what they're doing, but remember your God, lest they be a snare in your midst. You shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, cut down their wooden images. For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. So again, he's saying, when you go into a foreign land, don't do as they do because you are different. You are holy. You are God's prized possession. Now we jump forward to Deuteronomy 28 and God promises Moses and the people of Israel. Now it it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. I really like that part, and overtake you. Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. So wherever you go. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, that's your children. The produce of the ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. In other words, whatever we have to eat, whatever our storehouses have. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come against you one way and flee before you in seven. The Lord will command the blessings on you in your storehouses and in all to which you you have set your hand. So everything that you do is blessed. Everything that you put your hand to. He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God God is giving you. He's giving us slough. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. Now I'm very aware this was to the Israelites, but we are adopted children of our Lord. So this means us too. When God says he will bless, he really means it, doesn't he? Did you hear that? In everything you do, everywhere you go, everything you touch is a blessing. So if we're struggling, that's not what God's will is for us. And we can declare God's blessing over us. We can say, no, hang on a minute. That's not what you promised me. You promised me healing, blessing in my storehouse, blessing what I eat, blessing for my offspring, blessing when I go out and blessing when I come in. That is God's promise for us. God always intended his children to be blessed and highly favoured and walk alongside him. But there's also a warning in verse 15 that says, if they do not obey the, the voice of the Lord their God, then instead of blessings, there will be curses. I'll let you read those. I don't need to read those today. So now we come to another covenant, but this time it's with David. The land's already losing sight of God once again and the previous covenant. And they want a king. So Saul becomes king. He doesn't do too well, if you know the story. And God chooses David to succeed him. Now remember the covenant with Abraham had promised that his descendants would include a king. So that's already come to pass as well. 
So David restores, restores order. He becomes king. He brings back the Ark of the Covenant with the commandments in it. David loves God passionately. And he demonstrates that love in front of everyone. He sings. He dances. His wife thinks he made a fool of himself. But David said he will dance before the Lord and he will show the Lord how much he loves him. He writes the Psalms and he wants to build a temple to God to dwell with his people once again. You can read the whole story of that in um, Samuel 1 and 2. So God makes a covenant with David. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. In Psalm 89, David also speaks of a vision that he had. This is from verse 24. My faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him, and in my name his his horn shall be exalted. I will set his hand over the sea and his right hand over the rivers. He shall cry to me, you are my father, my God and the rock of my salvation. I will make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My mercy I will keep for him forever and my covenant shall stand firm with him. His seed also I will make to endure forever and his throne as the days of heaven. As we know, Jesus' lineage came through David. And his throne will last forever. And we are his seed. We are his seed. We are his adopted children. Each covenant or promise leads to the the father's plan of restoring us back into that divine relationship that was lost through Adam and Eve. He guides us how to do it by listening, by keeping ourselves holy, by following the commandments, even giving us signs as reminders. And each covenant builds on the previous one. Each offering blessings and telling you how much he loves you, how much he blesses you, how much he wants for you, how much he wants to restore that relationship with you. Because he never walked away. Each time we walked away as people and we messed it up, messed up that covenant, he still came back and said, I'll give you another one. But we couldn't live up to it. We couldn't live up to it. He reminded us of our royal priesthood. Every one of them highlights the Father's love for us. And every time he kept trying to redeem us. Jeremiah 31, 31, God spoke through the prophet with these words. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and I brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant Though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days. I will put my instructions deep within them. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Can you hear the passion in those words? And they will not need to teach their neighbours, nor will they need to teach their relatives saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone, from the least to the greatest, will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness. And I will never again remember their sins. And so finally, we have that new covenant. The promised covenant for thousands of years that we've been waiting for. 
the covenant of Jesus Christ that brings back restoration and redemption. And Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Jesus is the answer. He is the promised one. You can read the genealogy all the way back to Abraham in Matthew 1. Jesus is the answer. He came from the line of David, a king that was forever promised. The covenant is everlasting. Our Father God says, we will remember, sorry, he will remember our sins no more. We have complete forgiveness for our sins by the love and the mercy of God, our Heavenly Father, and the grace and faithfulness of our Lord Jesus Christ. But this time, the sign is the Holy Spirit. He is given to us as a deposit of that destiny, that eternity with him. Even if we mess up, he is with us. Jesus is our saviour. He is the only way, he's the only truth, he's the only way to life. He is the promise from God. He breaks all the chains, he heals all the sickness. He is the first and the last. Where everyone else failed, Jesus was victorious. His horn was exalted. And that's what horn means, victorious, exalted. He alone was and is perfect. No one else can be, no one else was. Through his blood on the cross and our faith in him, we can live righteously in his sight. Only through him, only through his blood and through faith. We can partner with him and shine his light into a mixed up crazy world. No more trying to do it in our own strength and failing. His Holy, power, Holy Spirit empowers us to do that. By writing his words in our heart, it means God, God's word is ever present. It never leaves us. It's always within us. We don't need an earthly priest as a mediator because Christ is now our mediator. He is the way. We couldn't do it on our own. God realized that each time he made a covenant, he realized there's no way we can keep doing it. We just can't. We're human. We mess up constantly. You read the commandments. How many of you thought, oops, we're one or two of those? We all do because we're human. But this is the answer. Christ is the answer. The new covenant is the answer. Hebrews 9.11 says, Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He, ha he has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats or calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Under the old system... The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of Haifa could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds. So that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why... He is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and the people so that all who are called can receive the, inter the eternal inheritance God has promised. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sin that they had committed under the first covenant. Jesus is the answer to all of the covenants, the answer to the long-awaited restoration and relationship 
with our Father. The Father's been waiting for us to have that relationship. And every time we've messed it up. But Jesus has, has made a way. And he's waiting for us at the right hand of the Father. And he intercedes and prays, prays for us. So each time we mess up now, this time, we don't have to have a new covenant. It's done. It's finished. Jesus made a way. He paid for the sins. La, uh, previous, present, future. And not only that, we're heirs. We're beneficiaries to everything that the Lord has. And all those promises that were promised in Deuteronomy 28 that we read. We can share in the authority of Christ and the, the authority that God once intended Adam to have. The authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, authority to bring God's light into the darkness, authority to lay hands on the sick and see them healed in the name of Jesus. The other week I spoke about Jesus asleep in the boat and the storm being so strong that the disciples woke Jesus in fear. Jesus rebuked the storm and it stopped. But then he turned to the disciples and he said, where's your faith? He was saying, you have the authority to do this. What's up with you guys? Step out, do it. I've recently heard this from a couple of places where Christians have asked the Lord, Lord, can you do this? Lord, will you do that? And he's actually answered no. And he said, I gave you authority to do it. I'm not going to do what I gave you authority to do. Do you remember the story of Moses in Exodus 4 where he'd led the people out, he reaches the Red Sea and he stands there and he's panicking, he calls on the Lord and the Lord says, why are you calling out to me? It's the same thing. He said, reach out your hand and you do it. Reach out the staff and you do it. That's what God's saying now. It's time for you to do it. We have a tendency to wait on him. And he's waiting on us. He's given us the keys. He's given us the way to do it. And we're saying, Lord, Lord, will you do it? And he's saying, no. I gave you the authority to do that. You go do it. It's like an employee. We go to the boss and say, will you do that? No, that's what I gave you the authority to do. You're doing it. That's us. We have that authority. Hebrews 1 says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things in his powerful word. After he had provided purification for his four sins, that means ours, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, and so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Verse 13 says, To which of the angels did God say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your, footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? That's quite important, isn't it? We have angels that were sent to serve and minister us and support us? Really? That means there's angels in this room, even though we can't see them. 
Takes a bit of getting your head around, doesn't it? In Romans 6, 8, Paul says, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. So where is Jesus? At the right hand of the Father. Jesus said, I am in the Father, the Father is in me, and I am in you. Shall I read that again? He's at the right hand of the Father. He says, I am in the Father, the Father is in me, I am in you. John 14, 12, truly, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I am doing. From the very beginning of Adam and Eve, God wanted to partner with him, receive his love, walk with him, bless him, give him the authority over the world. Our father made a handful of covenants and each time men fell short. But not anymore. Because Jesus is the way. He is the ultimate covenant. He is the one we've been waiting for. The ultimate demonstration of God's love for us. He is the ultimate way and the only way for us to get back into that relationship that Adam was promised. That Adam could have had but gave it away when he pressed the red button or at the red apple. We have away to the divine relationship with our Father through Jesus Christ. You have authority on earth that was always, always promised, that was always intended when God created man and woman for Adam. He always intended to walk with us. He always intended to just walk down the road when you're going shopping and say, Hi guys, I'm with you. What should we do today? Do you think that person needs help? You could pray for them. You could tell them how much I love them. He always intended that. And we can now do it. We have the final covenant. We have Jesus Christ as our Lord. And he lives in us. Sound amazing? Shall we pray? Lord, we just thank you. Because Father... Your love was so great and you never gave up on your people. Not only that, you didn't just give, not give up on your people, the Israelites. You also adopted us. And Father, we just pray. We thank you and we pray, Father, that we can just walk with you. We know and we understand the blessings that you always intended us to have. So, Father, I pray today that every person in this room will re-know your love for them. Father, that you will reignite a fire in them to know who they are in you and how much you love them. And that you've been waiting thousands of years for them to come back into that divine relationship with you because you love us, Father. And we thank you, Jesus, that you were faithful on the cross We thank you, Jesus. You were faithful and you made a way. You said, it is finished, it's over, it's done. You did it for us. So, Father, we just thank you and I pray your blessing on every person here today. And I pray your healing on every person here today. And those that couldn't be here, Lord, I pray healing on them. Because, Father, that's what you gave us authority to do. So I pray healing on every single person who could have been here, Lord, but can't because they're sick. We say be healed in the precious name of Jesus. And Father, I pray that you help us this week walk in the authority that you've given us. And Father, that we will 
glorify your name with every single thing we see. In Jesus' name. Amen.